0: Hey everyone, what's up? I am Chad Grills. This is the Mission Daily, your number one source for accelerated learning. It's the daily podcast that helps you level up your health, wealth, wisdom, and so much more. I'm joined by Stephanie Postles. Hey
1: everyone, good morning. It's interesting filming it in the morning, not late at night for once.
0: I'm so glad we're recording in the morning. Hopefully that's something we can uh, stick to as a schedule. Hopefully. So in this episode, we're talking about how you can build technology that makes human progress possible. So that is a... uh, A longer title, and I was uh, struggling trying to figure out what to call this episode. Originally, I had something like uh, how to build technology that makes the future happen or that makes human progress happen. Um, But the reality is technology and human progress don't just happen. They take a lot of conscious effort, work, planning, sacrifice, um, hope, faith, courage, all the higher human ideals that make humans wonderful. That is what's required to build technology and specifically technology that. Uh, helps make for a brighter human future that's filled with progress, not filled with economic uncertainty or decay or uh, just you know technology that ends up being weapons that are used in war. We're not talking about that type of technology. We're talking about the type of technology that helps humans do more with less that isn't, uh, that isn't outpacing our cultural evolution. So a lot of times when we have uh, new energy, say, that's developed or we learn how to split the atom, it's used to build weapons. And we don't want that. That's not something that's necessarily good. A lot of people view warfare as something that's inevitable, but we are not talking about the type of technology that is used in warfare. Although it's not necessarily bad by itself, it's just very important that as we create new things, humanity learns to evolve culturally at the same pace. So we need to make sure that we're able to have love, sincerity, uh, deep human connection at the same rate At which we're creating technology. Otherwise, it gets out of control and it's um, not going to be a good thing.
1: And I think also maybe a good thing to highlight is when you're referencing technology, it doesn't just mean like you have to be a computer engineer and you need to, you know, go create the next iPhone. I think that we're going to be referencing everything from books to creative works to art to I mean, you name
0: it. Yeah. Maybe you find a new way to shake people's hand. I'm I'm very like, it's, it sounds ridiculous, but I'm serious about that. Uh, Maybe you find a new type of greeting through thousands of different experiments and testing that makes people feel more comfortable or helps them, uh, you know, relax a little bit around you. Maybe it's uh, just a different type of joke, a joke that you iterate over, you know, hundreds and thousands of different interactions. That is a very, very powerful type of technology because it speeds the rate at which trust can be built. And if you can expedite the rate that humans uh, trust and care for each other in a small group or team, you can expedite the rate at which you create anything. And so that's uh, that's really exciting. So yes, we mean technology in the broadest definition possible. And we are obviously very, very interested in how do we uh, create and wield tech for good. So let's jump in to start thinking about, um, this is an example that is going to apply to many, many different uh, areas and industries, but the reality is, uh, this field is what has created technology, and it's venture capital. So before you before you turn out and say or tune out, sorry, and say no, I like no. turn out too, <laughs> uh, or get or get too turned up on this. I, I don't know if that's what the kids are saying these days, they but I, definitely saying that. <laughs> but anyways, um, so venture capital is what has created. Many, many of the things that we uh, that we really, really value, and again, I mean, venture capital here in a uh, very broad definition. So, uh, venture capital is something that was started by uh, rulers of. Uh, small tribes, in a sense. So they would typically invest and give a lot of resources to the shaman in the tribe, and they would give a lot of resources to the the people who are defending the tribe from outside attack. And then whatever was left over would go into rearing the next generation and providing for the group in whatever way they could. But a lot of that um, early capital, whether in that case it was just maybe foods, artifacts, uh, trinkets, or they would allow the, the tribe would allow the shaman to create and um, get stoned in a hut by the side of the village, essentially, <laughs> and come up with solutions to the tribe's biggest problems. That was that that's how venture capital, in a sense, got started. And from there, you know, we got to the Western world where there's going to be larger city states and the uh, the king or the queen would fund um, weird and quirky philosophers and magicians and alchemists who would come to the court. You know, demanding that they had found the secrets of the universe and they just needed some gold in order to fully realize their discoveries. Um, So that, you know, we're talking about that. That was part of the evolution of venture capital. And then later on where uh, cities, states turned into nation states, nation states started funding exploration and travel. So whether it was uh, the king and queen funding, uh, I think of Spain funding Columbus or uh, Pizarro or any of these great explorers, Uh, Magellan, they got their money to explore and open up new trade routes and develop technologies and find new pieces of land to conquer and stuff like that through venture capital. And now in our modern uh, nation state, not many people know this, but Silicon Valley was actually started by the government, essentially. like Our defense industry is what made Silicon Valley possible through very, very aggressive and generous investment in early technology companies here. Um, That's how it's where the semiconductor industry came from. Um, And it's a very exciting thing because our government in the, the early days of venture capital in Silicon Valley, basically, you know, did this. And then they said, this is a model that other people can use. So you are free to free to use this. This was the first time I think in recorded history where a government gave a thumbs up and like a free pass to its citizenry to start exploring you know, their methods of creation that have typically been reserved for uh, the elite, the aristocracy, in, in a sense. And this is a, a really exciting time because now what you have is a place in Silicon Valley where there is capital galore and there are many, many people that are trying to figure out uh, and trying to perfect the venture capital model. This is a great thing for everyone um, because if we look at uh, the stats about what venture capital has actually done that's where we can get to the the reality that is hard to stomach, but it's the truth that that's how all new jobs get created.
1: Do you think uh, people will come back and try and debate (laughs) you on this?
0: Sure. No. And I hope, I hope they do. And I I welcome that. Um,
1: I do like comparing it to um, uh, basically what happened in, what was it? 2008 with the federal stimulus plan. I like how you make those two comparisons. Maybe if you want to jump into that.
0: Yeah. So first let's uh, get some of the stats and, So during the past three decades, startups in the United States have created nearly 40 million American jobs, all the net job creation in the uh, in the country over that period. That's a quote by Steve Case, uh, the guy who founded AOL. um, Now he's at Revolution Ventures and does a couple other things. But the point there is that, um, you know, startups and small businesses and everyone like that are funded through venture capital. And venture capital isn't always. I'll give you X amount of money for X, you know, percentage of equity in the company. Sometimes venture capital comes from uh, small banks. Um, they deploy venture capital and risky loans all the time. Sometimes venture capital is uh, ventured from loan sharks who are taking on like a very again I don't think I don't expect a lot of people to agree with me on this. I'm not saying loan sharks are good by any stretch of the imagination, but they do venture capital and they in a sense like a very literal definition of the word. They extend money where there might not be the best credit history yeah. possible. So, what um yeah, so what are some of the the stats that you found in and around
1: that? So, mine were all about how many jobs were created. So, in 2008, the government, um, I think, spent around $800 billion of government debt, aka taxpayer money. And I think it either created or saved between zero, I mean, no one knows for sure, but it says between zero and one and a half million jobs, which you might hear like one and a half million and be like, hey, that's pretty good. Until you look at um, venture-backed company jobs. I think that's how I would maybe consider it. Yeah, and. That's around 15 million jobs that were created during that same time period. I that's, think I got that right. But that's I mean staggering. 15 million versus 1 million and with the VC model money was given to them voluntarily and they invested in the companies that they chose and created, you know, a ton of jobs whereas with the government and the stimulus act and all that, a million jobs were created and a lot of people didn't have a choice of whether they wanted to fund that or not and you know, we don't even know if those jobs are still continuing. Like if the government pulls that money back, I could see those jobs going with it because they're just being artificially inflated right now.
0: They didn't have a business plan. They didn't have like a long-term viability plan once the funding source dried up. Yeah, that's that's a great, that's a really great point. And this is something that a lot of people might think uh, a knee-jerk reaction is that this is political. I think that in fact, this is far from it. This is something we're very, very passionate about. The mission is leaving politics to the side and figuring out which path is more voluntary. So I'm not interested in left or right. I'm interested in analyzing a situation as objectively as, you know, in the best way I can, and then figuring out how do we choose the path or choose the thing that allows uh, a more voluntary approach, more optionality for all parties? What is the highest good of everyone concerned? um, That type of thing. And it's like, yeah, it's easy to think that that's idealistic. I don't think it is. I think that that in the future, if we're going to really solve the problems that we have in a meaningful way that type of approach, analyzing each situation, what is the more voluntary path, and then choosing that path and then course correcting if necessary, that's what that's the only thing that can save us at this point. Yeah. Um I think
1: so, also just sticking to the data behind it. So like thinking even of just like if we just think about GDP, like what do venture back companies contribute to the GDP? Well I think That's a great right, place to look. Yeah, right now I think it's over 21 or maybe even up to 25%. It's somewhere around there. But that's a very big portion where if we didn't have these VC backed companies, you know, there goes a huge chunk of our GDP and a huge chunk of our jobs and innovation. And
0: I think um, that number is really, really conservative because if you, you know, scale back far enough and you look at where the, all of the companies that have successfully IPO that are operating uh, publicly on the stock, our stock exchange came from, it's from investment. It's just back in those days, we didn't really monitor it. It wasn't as big of an asset class as it is now. And it's still a very, very tiny, it's literally a boutique asset class. And that's what some of these uh, venture capital firms uh, who have billions of dollars under management still consider themselves to be uh, boutique, small niche operations compared to a world where you have hedge funds that control $160 billion and just mm-hmm. uh, absurd uh, resources like that. Um, and so what's, what's very exciting about that, though, is that venture capital as a, an industry now deploys somewhere. And again, these stats are like all over the place, but collectively somewhere around $346 billion a year. And so with that small investment, that returns around three point six trillion dollars to GDP. So that's in a so three
1: hundred and forty-six billion is what they invest.
0: Some, something something around there. Into so, either
1: startups or
0: yeah. So that that is um and again, so I definitely dispute some of these numbers, but the the point is that this is a rough approximation that and that returns is, are great. <laughs> yeah, and the returns are great. And that's where we get into very interesting territory because what if the government decided instead of the stimulus plan that required huge amounts of overhead and everything like that, maybe they had the right idea, but maybe they had the wrong way to deploy that capital. But there are top tier VC firms in the US that have a demonstrated track record of creating this type of wealth. I guarantee that these firms would have been able to deploy that money far more effectively than um, the government stimulus plan. And it's not that... um, You know, it's not, I'm not saying that these firms are a replacement for government, far from it, far, far from it. Um, But they could be a much, much better way of uh, deploying it.
1: So now that we know that VC is like, you know, having these huge returns, they know where a lot of times like where the trends are going and they're ahead of the curve. How can we make sure to align ourselves with this basically? Yeah.
0: So this is a, a takeaway for anyone that's listening out there. So this is how you can help build technology and make human progress, uh, happen and and make it better and actually like speed it up uh, and make some money in the process and have a great time, meet really cool people and uh, yeah build a better future. So we've understand, you know, we've covered VC, why it's important and everything like that. There are three uh, general classes of VCs that I recommend people start to familiarize themselves with or study or learn more about. So I would really, really recommend, you know, only focusing in on established, uh, VCs that have a, some sort of track record of success. So it's it's not saying that, you know, it's not a chicken and egg problem where you can't, an angel investor can never turn into a successful VC. That's not true. That happens all the time. But in those early stages, there are so many charlatans, um, weirdos, and people who claim to be investors that just quite frankly are not. Um, we that got a it's, lot of that in the early days. It's but, completely ridiculous. Yeah. And it is uh just a space you do not want to be in. It's it's very scammy. It's very weird. And by going up the stream a little bit, uh, you know, it's in, like industry parlance, you can find, it's a much safer place to be. So it's can where, we give
1: a shout out then for established to our
0: investor? Yeah, definitely. And- um, Or no, to, are we not actually two, now? No, actually two of our investors. Yeah, no, we definitely can. Um, so there's three types of VCs. We have established VCs. So these are the, the folks that typically have uh, five anywhere from like 500 to- let's say a couple billion dollars uh, under management. We have new VC firms which are smaller VCs that have anywhere from you know let's call it uh 25 50 million to 150 or a couple hundred million dollars under management and then we have corporate VCs. Um, and let's jump into examples of each of these. So for established VCs that are uh, independent that have they get their money from LPs, so foundations, endowments, uh, rich, high net net worth individuals, things like that. Uh, the best example that I've found um, is Founders Fund. And that's, again, very, very biased here. So Founders Fund is an investor in the mission, and we chose them for a number of reasons. Philosophical alignment, uh, I respect... I have a good handle on who some of their LPs are. I respect who they're taking money from. Yeah,
1: I was just about to say the one thing that you uh, mentioned when we were looking for investors was where the money was coming from. And certain yes, people- Yes, it's really important. Even though they were willing to invest in us and they were super nice, you were just kind of like, I see that you're taking money from X, Y, and Z. And like, that is just something I don't believe in. So sorry, yes. Pat, yeah, which I, don't. I thought was interesting.
0: Oh, uh, thanks. Yeah, it's, I think it's really important to, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, karma or you know whatever you call it at the end of the day, like how people made their money is, is very, very important because you tend to become like your clients. You, you tend to become like your investors. So it's very important that you choose who you want to become wisely. And with Founders Fund, the most compelling thing about this firm and then about... So Peter Thiel is a very controversial figure who founded Founders Fund uh, and a number of other successful ventures, including First Money into pay, uh, Facebook. Uh, he did PayPal as the, the CEO uh, and then went on to found Palantir and then Founders Fund has backed a number of other successful companies like Spotify, Airbnb, the list goes on, Stripe, Wish, Lyft, like we yeah, just we, SpaceX. We could just keep going down the list. Um, but the point being that I would say Peter and Founders Fund is is very uh, misunderstood from a a general media stance. They have no idea what these people are like. Um, because if you go behind the scenes, you see a track record of a team that typically has a work history of around, I would say, 20 to 25 years in some cases. Yeah, you where know
1: something's good when people all want to work with each other for again, 20 years or more. Again
0: and again and again on new company, on company after company after company where, you know, egos get involved. And if you look at other companies outside of Founders Fund or other VCs, it's just very, very rare to see such a long history of uh, teammates and friends who are friends outside of work, who then collaborate on companies, invest money together, lose tons of money together sometimes, and then are still able to be friends. Yep. That is is a really, really exciting thing. So, um, And then we use them as an example too, because they're funding companies like SpaceX. I think after the Elon's second rocket blew up is when uh, Peter and the Founders Fund team invested $20 million, which saved, helped saved uh, save SpaceX and yep. made where we're at where they're at now possible, which is very, very exciting. Making human life multiplanetary it's a great thing. So that's why we chose them as an example of an established independent VC firm. So a new VC firm, again, this is like our biased example of uh, Bedrock Capital. So uh, when we took investment from Founders Fund, our lead investor, Jeff Lewis, uh, who I think hit four unicorns over the course of four years. Yeah. So he made four separate investments in private companies. I think in many cases he led them, although maybe not for all of them that went on to become a billion dollar company. So, Lyft, no Wish, <laughs> New Bank, uh Canva, those are all unicorns now that Jeff invested in very early on. Like what, so he what invested makes in Lyft. Him new. Or, um, oh, like, sorry.
1: What makes him a new VC firm ver- versus Founders Fund which is more established?
0: Yeah, so Founders Fund has been around for uh I guess a, a while now, not very long, maybe oh, okay. since 2000 2000- I want to say 2005. So it's all about how long they've been around basically. Something like that. And yeah. And just like rough assets under management. That's a good way to think about what size they're at. Um, And then for new VC. So bedrock capital, their latest, their first fund, actually um, they raised, I think 122 million or or some amount over that. And uh, Jeff and his partner, Eric are investing in companies now. Um, But Jeff invested when he was at founders fund. So that's why like I chose bedrock capital. Now it's his new, new venture. And, um, a great test of, is a new VC worth paying attention to? Is it worth my time to go to their portfolio page to see what the future look, looks like in terms of what they're betting on and why? And I would say yes, without without a doubt here. Um, because if you go to their website, you'll see they have what they call uh, a narrative violation manifesto of sorts. So it's, an essay. <laughs> it's an essay uh, that presents their unique view of how funding the future works and how they are better... Better suited than other firms to predict winners, essentially, and um, that's it's a it's a very bold claim. But if you read the essay on narrative violations, uh, we'll probably have a link in the bio or. Uh, you can find it on the mission. It's uh, it's a great place to start, and that's a great example of a new VC firm. So and that's how
1: yeah, great way to always find who you want to work with. I mean, just as much as they're investing in you, you're investing in them by yes. wanting to partner with them for years to come. So you want to make sure that you agree with like their philosophies and like who they're investing the actions, with.
0: what they've done. Do yep. you respect and admire their track record? In this case, like yes, with, without a doubt, it's very impressive. Um, and then do you respect their advice? So in conversations too, this is where you know it's not that for everyone listening out there, this is something that, you know, you can get involved with. You can go out to their portfolio companies and we'll talk more about how to get directly aligned, how to get jobs at their portfolio companies, how to, uh, maybe even build a startup that gets acquired by one of their portfolio companies. The opportunities are endless here and they're all very, very exciting. So yeah. let's just one quick more example with Google Ventures here. So um, they
1: are the corporate VC type. Yeah. Firm.
0: So there's, a. Uh, There's Google Capital, which is typically like growth stage. I think they do some public equities, but then there is Google Ventures, which is a more traditional venture firm. Uh, Again, a couple billion dollars of assets under management with a great track record of backing transformative companies, Um, a very respective team. And they're uh, yeah, they're they're very exciting. It's again, it's a a situation where a lot of people look at Google or look at the media's narrative about Google, but then they aren't there for the all hands meetings where Sergey or Larry lay out specific strategy that you'll just never hear anywhere else. And you'll see a perspective that goes so much (laughs) that goes way past the media's false narrative that they're trying to paint about Google. And um, so, yeah, that's that's an example of a corporate venture arm uh none of these are perfect and this is like this is not to say that these people are flawless or that these people should be uh worshiped not at all they should be questioned they should be uh that's the wonderful thing about truth is it doesn't fear intellectual attack it only fears real yep. <laughs> like the the person wielding it only feels real uh Agreed. attacks in the real world but yeah. you, you get the point
1: yep so then overall to summarize this whole episode to be able to build the technology to make human progress possible, first start finding the VCs that you want to align yourself with, because yep. we went through why VCs are changing the world and how to find the right ones. And from there, you can either try and get investment or partner with some of their portfolio companies and work with them until you figure out what you want to do.
0: Absolutely. And in a way, you can just use these VCs as uh, a news source. These, these are a very, very good, uh, we talked about human curators last time. These are human curators with skin in the game. So many of these VCs are investing their own money. In some cases, eighty percent, ninety percent of their net worth is in startups, and that is what—that's uh, what courage is, right there. When you put your your capital to work, you put your money where your mouth is. So that's a great example. And in the next episode, we will c- recover a little bit more about reverse engineering and how to get allied and aligned with these folks. Yep.
1: Sounds good. See you next time. See ya.